heard a quote or read a quote by Ben Franklin that really sticks with me now. It's, um, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you're dead and rotten, then either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager, and I really want to hear from you, my listeners. Please leave me a comment on ZestfulAging.com. I really do read everyone, and I so appreciate your feedback. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. She was a guest on Zestful Aging, and her CD, Buffalo Motel, is out. And you can find out more about her and her beautiful music on judybanker.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, I've got my little Jack Russell Sparky. He's totally sacked out right now, but he's beside me. So let's begin. We have a really interesting interview for you today. I'm going to be talking to Aaron Gendel, and he's the best-selling author of Conquest, 10 Simple Steps to Conquer Life and Leave a Lasting Legacy. Aaron founded Write a Book University, where he helps others tell their story and leave their legacy by writing a book. And he also has his own podcast. Podcast. It's called Daily Authors Podcast, where he interviews brilliant new self-help authors daily, providing a platform for authors to share their stories and help others. I'm really excited to talk to him today. He overcame a chronic disease naturally without using medication, and then he went on to finish the Ultra Beast Spartan Race. We have to find out more about that. And uh, he lives in Florida with his wife and children. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, thank you so much, Nicole. I appreciate it. Uh, so have you been training already this morning? Have I been training uh, for my for my fitness? Yeah. Uh, I actually had a late flight that got canceled last night and had to get five hours of sleep and, and flew in this morning. So unfortunately, no, but uh, I tr- usually would have gotten that in already. Yeah, I see. It sounds like that's a really big part of your life. So tell me about this whole idea of leaving a legacy, which as you probably know, is a really important element in aging well and 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 being satisfied as a person middle age or over. Tell me about legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a big part of who I am now, what I try to help others realize I think at the end of the day, we all want to be remembered and we all want to have an impact somehow. And I don't think you're ever too young and uh, you're never too old to really be thinking about that. It's never too too early or never too late. And how I got started and how it really hit home for me was when I did 
get diagnosed with a chronic disease that um, really just spent, uh, sent me into a whirlwind and, and just the emotions that I went through to, to go through that experience. And on the other side of that, though, and I think this is true for a lot of a lot of uh, what we might might call uh, failures or problems that we run into our life. On the other side of that was a lot of great things, and I've been able to help a lot of a lot of people, um, not only with this disease, but in thinking about legacy. And it really started when I started getting symptoms of of this disease, and it's called Crohn's, and it's a chronic bowel disease that can be pretty debilitating that um, I, I had decided at one point at a, a young family that I, I didn't want to go the traditional route with medicine. I was already very fit and healthy. I thought, what what was going on in my life? I had to take a step back and say, hey, what, what wasn't working? And I knew that I, I had to find another way to, to, to live my life how I was living before even better. And so I, I did that. I, I did a ton, ton of research did a uh, just a ton of ha- I had to believe that it was really possible. And at the end of the day, I, I was able to use very holistic uh, practices and found doctors that supported that and was able to to heal myself in a way that not many others have. And you know, five years later, I've been 99 percent symptom free and I'm able to run like you mentioned some of the Spartan races that I do. And as I got better, I really figured out that this information was very valuable. And even when it came to the disease, I have four kids and I thought, hey, what was to be of them if they didn't hear this information or if it wasn't uh, something that later in life, they may may be going through this same experience because it is said that this is a genetic and potentially can run in the family, right? So I thought, man, I have to record this and write it down, and if it can help them later, and and then it became, well, how many other people can I help with this? And uh, really, as I was going through that, I I uh, heard a quote or read a quote by Ben Franklin that really sticks with me now. That it's, um, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead and rotten, then either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about, mm-hmm. and. I really love that quote. I, I like to combine the two. I say not just or, I say do both, right? Do something amazing with your life that others can write about and also write. And that's why I try to help people write a book. And ultimately, I believe a big part of a legacy is recording what you've done in your life to help that's helped maybe you, whether that's something you've overcome, maybe even professionally, but that can really help others and, you know, leave that behind after after we're gone. Because I really be- do believe that books are something that that will last forever. Mm-hmm. So had you been a big reader before you started getting sick? Uh, so I, I started doing more of that and I got more into self-development and I... I really didn't come from that spot, though. I, I came, uh, I actually have a mathematics background and computer background. And 
and I guess that's another part of my story. You really don't have to come from that place of being a writer to write a book, to share mm-hmm. your story. That's a great, I think that's a really important point because many people do want to write, but they really feel like, well, I don't know how to do it. It's so daunting and no one's going to want to read my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of fears and really myths, I think, around writing a book and, and, you know, we see these books in the bookstores and they look beautiful. And, and of course, many people have spent a lot of time to, to put these amazing books together. But I also believe there's, there's a trend now towards self-publishing and, mm-hmm. and a way to get your book out there quickly. It doesn't have to take two or three or 10 years. You know, it, it really can be something you can get done in a few months. And maybe you spend a little more time to try to market that if you want. But it, again, it depends on on what your goals are for that. And uh, a, a book, you know, a lot of people think you have to write a three, four, five hundred page book. But there's books out in categories, even on Amazon, which is the largest bookstore in the world, that are you know fifty pages long, right? And so uh, you can write something. I think my book was around one hundred and fifty pages. You know, so it it's not like it was something that everybody else couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's really, you're really advocating for people who have important things to say, as I think we all do, because we all have a story. And if you've gotten to middle age, life has, you know, done its its number. And sometimes there's some pretty tough experiences to overcome. And it sounds like you're you're saying there's a lot everybody can offer and it's important to put it out there so others can benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, as, I, as you mentioned in the intro, I, I interview authors every single day and I've spoken to several of them who, who even wrote a book really because they had a loved one like their their father or mother that they have these fond memories of they uh, their fa- one one woman in particular wrote her book and uh, remembered her father playing all this wonderful music for her as she was a child and throughout their experiences and their relationship together and and he had recently passed you know a year or two ago and she told me that it was one of the biggest um i guess biggest biggest uh, things that she wish he, he would have left behind was his music because uh, as they went through his stuff they could find maybe one song of his in all the years and years of him creating music and, and leaving that behind there wasn't any recordings or any of that so it was all lost and, and you know they they really remember him by that stuff and it really touched their hearts but now it's not there anymore um, I so it, see. So you're. I think what you're saying is it's important to be intentional about where your life has brought you and what you can share with others. Am I understanding that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think we all need to get over the, a lot of us need to get over the fear of believing that we, we don't have anything to offer. Because as you mentioned, especially if you've gone through middle age and I'm in my middle age, uh, I think we've all all had things happen in our lives and and even as a as a young person i still believe there's many things that young people experience uh, and but as as for sure as we get older hey we've we experienced loss in relationships 
Uh, we might have experienced, uh, you know, a loss in, in a family member. Maybe someone's gotten sick and maybe it's not happened to you, but you've gone through it. And so you can you can portray what that might have felt like and maybe how you handled it. And 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 if you've come, especially if you come out on the other side, on the other side, feeling like, hey, I got through this. And it's what others want to hear about. You know, they want to hear how someone else went through that same experience and uh, wh- how they, they how they handled it, because we're all going through something every single day, every single year. And those experiences are just so valuable to to record. And, and it can be as simple as that. Right. And, and so I think for that reason, every one of us has a story to share. You know, I'm thinking about uh, sort of what you're saying and this this sort of phrase came to my mind. It's like sharing life lessons for the common good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So take us through your amazing journey. You started getting symptoms of Crohn's, which is a chronic and, as you said, often debilitating uh, disease. And the medicines that are used can cause even more problems than they solve. Um, And uh, so talk a little bit about your journey through this really serious and and life-changing illness. Sure. Yeah, so I, as you you mentioned, uh, I got really scared of what I might traditionally have to do. And just to elaborate on that, there's medicines that are traditionally prescribed are immune suppressants. And so they suppress your immune system that would normally fight off, uh, you know, regular types of infections. And so if you don't have that and you get an infection, you're more likely to get sick. And so, so there's, there's consequences, right? So you might, might help yourself get into what's called remission, but then you're also leaving yourself vulnerable to other types of um, sicknesses. And having a young family, I, I really, uh, really just didn't feel like that was the right way for me. I, I really just um, knew that I couldn't be sick anymore <laughs> to take care of my young family and my my kids just for example are from ages one to seven now but you know I had two at the time and 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 then uh, I really just had to take a, a look as I, uh, I as I was going through what I was going through I did some research with a doctor named Dr Mark Hyman and some of you might be aware of his work sure and. Yeah, he's just uh, done a lot for for a lot of people in health in the health world with these types of illnesses and others like IBS and IBD Infla- and inflammatory illness. Am I am I right about that? Exactly. Yeah, it's okay. in- inflammation in in your in your gut essentially. And uh, what I did was I I did a detox with him. It was a ten day detox, and 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 that really kick-started me off. I really just had to eliminate a lot of the the foods that I was eating. I, I, I learned a lot about pH in your body and, and that, you know, there's a lot of things we consume and eat that cause acidity in our body that makes it a lot harder for us to live while we get heartburn and um, all that kind of stuff. So my pH was definitely way off. And, and then after that, I, I tried to subscribe to his, his diet. He calls a pagan diet, which is like a paleo uh, vegan diet. And it's a blend between the two. And, and what's part of that is a big part of that. I actually had a hard time with it, especially initially was prescribed 75% of our diet being fruits and vegetables. Uh, 
And for a lot of people that's, and myself included at the time, was like, how am I going to do that? You know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I love some good fruit and vegetables, but I just like, how can I change <laughs> all? And I was, I'm a pretty big, you know, I'm a steak guy. I like steak and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, so what I actually did, and I, at the same time as researching Mark's, Heim, Dr. Hyman's stuff, I was also doing a lot of research in the just online forums and anything else I could find for people who had done something with this disease other than just take uh, the prescribed medicine. And what I ran across in some, just some brief forums was where people who had done a lot of juicing and um, blending and juicing. And there, there's, there's a subtle difference there. Um, but I just went all in. I got the best juicer I could find. And what I, what I, my logic behind it was I'm going to get 75% of my fruits and vegetables from blending and juicing so I could consume and get the nutrients I needed for my body to heal. And at the same time, I knew that my, my body was being taxed, you know, every day you, you're consuming, if you're consuming a lot of food, your, your digestive tracts having to work pretty hard. And for someone with uh, uh, bowel disease, and that's, that's not helpful. So I decided to give my body a break in that way by really not having to digest all the fibers and all that as you as you juice, you're, you're basically stripping away some of that so that you get the nutrients straight into your bloodstream and you can heal yourself more quickly. And, and that's exactly what happened for me. And I was taking like ginger shots and, you know, juicing broccoli and, and kale and spinach. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was trying to mix it with things that might help it taste better too, like apples or carrots or beets. Sure. Um, so that's, that's the medicine that I used. And literally within probably th- three to four months of having my first symptoms, I had been seeing the doctors in between the time I had gotten, uh, you know, checked up checkups, and they've deter- had determined later in that in that three to four month time frame that I had Crohn's. So they did verify that, and then I had it taken about a month after they gave me that diagnosis to see the gastroenterologist, and all along the way I was I was sort of testing all this stuff out, and then I, I found like a groove that said that I was juicing and I was just on on the right path, I felt. And by the time I went to saw, see the gastroenterologist, I was totally symptom-free. And as I told him that, he was totally blown away because he said, essentially, he had never had anybody come into his office and tell me or tell him that they were symptom-free. And so he was on my side. He was like, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up. Mm-hmm. Without meds. Without meds, yeah. Did you do anything for your other parts of your body? Because what I know about uh, Dr. Hyman is he's also very much into stress um, reduction and meditating and all the stuff we know is really great for our all the other parts. Is that something that you also embraced in terms of stress reduction and sort of spiritual and emotional? Absolutely. Yeah. So my book, actually, uh, you might think that the whole book talks about about this, but I actually only dedicate one chapter to the health aspects. This, but I just kind of described to you, you know, the exact fruits and vegetables I, I digested and, you know, the supplements that I took, you know, just vitamins and things like that. Uh, but the rest of the book really talks about the 
the mental side of things, the mindset shifts that had to take place. And I did prescribe to some of the Dr. Hyman's, uh, the, the stress relief uh, recommendations he had, just simple things, even like taking a hot bath and uh, going into the sauna and just relieving that that stress. And as you said, meditation. But like I said, the, the rest of the book really talks about the shifts in my mindset because the backstory behind all this was before I had gotten sick, literally probably a month or two, I told myself I had just going under so much stress, and I'll get to that in a minute, that I I was telling myself, I hope I don't get, I don't get a stomach illness of some kind. I, I remember literally telling myself. Oh that. wow! So you sort of auto suggested to your body uh, somehow that that might be a possibility for you. Exactly. Yep. I, I, I it was very clear, and I remember myself just thinking that, and I wasn't dwelling on it, but I remember thinking it's you know over several different occasions, you know, in a, in a maybe a few week time frame, and. I had gone through a lot of stress basically before that because I was moving from California to Iowa. Uh, I was uh, I had sold a business I was running in California. My second child was about to be born. I was starting a new job. Uh, we were my wife and I were trying to build a custom home. So all these huge things were happening right as I got sick. Um, so definitely believe stress is is and uh, that mind mindset is something that can really help you or hurt you, right? So that that is something I talk about in my book. And what I realized to try to heal myself and keep myself from getting sick and this disease, they will say that stress does uh, flare up these types of issues. While they'll, they won't really admit or say that stress is the ultimate cause, um, I, I don't think they really just have enough information to know but I do believe a lot of it was how I was treating myself, how I was eating, and then also the stress and the mindset that I had. And I let that stress over, overwhelm me. And I had to take a step back, as I mentioned, and really start to change like how I handled stress. And some, some of the steps I'll mention to you, I guess, that, that I had to go through in trying to help myself change that mindset and what really helped me uh, were are the 10 steps that I talk about in books. So stuff like, all right, I had to take a look and say, what's going on in my life, evaluating that. And the first step is discovery. And I think a lot of us don't necessarily take the time for that. And I come from a very highly technical background and a lot of major corporations, they spend months and months in, in discovery to say, hey, where do we, where are we at now and where we want to go? And mm, I think- Like an assessment of sorts. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times this will be a, a big portion of multi-million dollar projects where you're saying, all right, let's take a, a look at the landscape of what we've got. What, 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 uh, what are we working with and how is it not working and how do we want to change it to push ourselves forward? And I don't, I think that big companies aren't the only ones that we should be doing that. We should individually be doing that ourselves. And, and for me, it obviously took, you know, getting really sick and it, it almost forced it to happen for me. But I don't think each of us should have to wait to get sick to do that, right? Hello, Zesties. 
I want to tell you about one of my all-time favorite exercise and stress reduction tools, which I am really relying on during this quarantine. But I've sung its praises for years. The benefits are seemingly endless. Uh, it's great for toning and strengthening muscles. It improves your lymph system, your metabolism. It helps with joint pain and balance. And it's even used by NASA astronauts because it's such an efficient way to exercise. And if you're older or you're worried about your balance, you can order a stabilizer bar to hang on to. I'm talking about my NEDAC Rebounder mini trampoline. I put on my music and I have my own dance party. Because for me, exercise needs to be fun and invigorating. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Now is not the time for the philosophy of no pain, no gain, because we're in enough pain. This is a way to feel good and energized and have fun. It really does help mood as well. And I like that NEDAC is made in the USA and it is really solid. I've had mine for 15 years and it's still in great shape. The NEDAC Rebounder will help us get through this quarantine in better shape mentally and physically. And there's also a model that folds up if space is an issue. One of my clients puts it on her driveway and uses it while she's watching her kids during the quarantine. Anyway, I can't recommend NEDAC rebounders enough. They are a worthwhile investment in your health and overall well-being, especially now. If you are interested in a mini trampoline, please don't buy a cheap one. Those can be actually dangerous, and it is really worth uh, investing in a good quality one. And right now, if you use the coupon code just for Zestful Aging listeners, the code is Zestful, they are going to include a free cover for you. So go to NEDAC.com. It's N-E-E-D-A-K.com. And if you have any questions, you can contact me at ZestfulAging.com. I really am their biggest fan. Do you think that being a man um, uh, and also in in business and, and sort of moving and shaking in those circles, is that is that sort of an environment that uh, the self-assessment is not necessarily reinforced or talked about? I think for women, it's a little bit more on the, you know, on the radar. But I'm just thinking about the worlds where you were traveling, highly technical, mathematical, doing all this high level business. I mean, I don't want to stereotype it, but it does sound like I'm going to guess your colleagues weren't saying, hey, let's take a step back and really evaluate our lives and maybe do a little (laughs) deep breathing. Yeah, you're, you're, I, I'm sure you're absolutely right. I think for us men, I mean, my wife uh, was, you know, say into self-development a lot earlier than even me. And she almost took her to really 
guide me in that direction to say, all right, Aaron, you're missing out over here. <laughs> you need to reevaluate uh, how you're thinking and the beliefs you have. And, and yeah, for sure. I think, I think you're right on with that. And what is success, right? I mean, I think that yeah. for men, it's just so much about, how, you know, I'm making money. I'm, I'm building a custom house. Things are good, but at a price, at a cost of just being on all the time and not allowing yourself maybe to rest or, you know, have like a, a state of the union with yourself, you know, <laughs> what's working, what's not, how come my stomach's hurting, how come I haven't seen my friends, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's easy to do, especially as you, uh, not only are you in business, but as you become, as I became a father, I almost felt that pressure even more to support, provide for my family and, you know, just be there. Even, you know, I had to spend a lot of time working. I had to spend a lot of time, felt like I wanted to spend a lot of time with my family as well and just balancing all that out. And it become became quite overwhelming. Right. And um, something has to give at some point. And I think a lot of times our bodies tell us, hey, something's not working. Right. The body doesn't lie. Right. We can kid ourselves, but yeah. the body tells the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. As I stepped forward through the process, though, I really I took a step back as I got through it and I didn't realize some of the things I had to to, to realize and uh, change even then. But when I started to write the book, I realized, hey, I had to not only discover what was going on, I had to have some sort of passion for for changing that and making a, a shift. And for me, my passion and desire became almost life uh, consuming, like it, it had to happen. But for each of us, I think we need to find what's driving us and find that why of what we're, what we're reaching for at the end. And, and that will create that passion that will help you get there, right? And, and then from there, you, you need to believe that it's possible. I think that was a big, big stumbling block for me in the beginning was to say, hey, not very many people are, I couldn't find really anybody doing what I was thinking of doing and, and just to have the belief that it was possible. If I didn't believe, then I probably would have just went to the doctor and say, hey, give me some medicine to fix me, right? But I had to, to believe that it was possible to even try to research and find the solution. And again, this just applies to our everyday life. If we have something in our lives we want to do and are passionate about it. And if we just don't have the belief that it's possible, we probably won't even start. So I think so we have how, to... How did you, how do you understand that you're the kind of person who thought, I'm going to try a different way, which was not, you know, that trail had not been uh, made before. You were doing something radically different than what anybody else might have done is said, oh, these medicines are terrible, but I have to take them. What What is it about you? Are you a rebellious sort or a <laughs> DIY kind of guy that you just said, you know what, I'm going to try something different? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think it comes a lot from how I was raised and the experiences I had a combination of the two, which you know, a lot of things uh, do in our lives. But first of all, I grew up in a homeschooled uh, environment, which I think really helped me in the end because as I even went through college and all that, I, I really was pretty self-sufficient. Like I always had to 
try to just figure whatever out I needed to. And so from a DIY perspective, for sure, I was like always researching if I wanted to figure out something. I mean, when Google came along, it was like my very best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Your private reference librarian. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure it is for a lot of people, but that information was gold, right? And so just coming from that background of really being self-taught, I think helped me out a lot. And then as I as I grew up, I was very into working out. I, I played on very high level soccer teams and in college I did bodybuilding. And then I, as I mentioned before, I had a gym. So I had a, a big feeling in my, my, my gut, you might say that, hey, the, the body can do a lot and it can heal itself. And I, I just kind of had that belief internally that there has to be some other way. And I'd watched some documentaries that, you know, had influenced me before that as well, where they they had done uh, juicing. Uh, that 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 also was a, another reason I, I chose that. So some of the some of the information I had already, you know, had absorbed really helped me push to believe that it was possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. So talk a little bit to us about what your days look like in terms of how you've integrated some of these more healthy habits. Yeah, absolutely. So one might think that, hey, I I went through all this and I'm doing this exact thing now and they might cringe to think that all I can do is juice and blend, but that's not the case. As As I got better, I started to introduce foods back in my diet and I can pretty much eat anything I want now. And I really just try to maintain a healthier lifestyle um, from from a diet perspective. And I today I do a lot of juicing and blending still. So I'll I'll make a juice. I'll I'll juice a blend uh, a ginger shot. I'll blend some fruit and and some protein powder and some spirulina and put it in a blender and have that almost every single day. So these are the types of just healthy habits now that I have, including you know the working out that I do, which I believe is just a massive part of allowing yourself to be healthy enough to have the energy enough to do the work that you want to do, uh, whatever passions and you have in your life. Um, so those are the big keys that I have. I think otherwise I do still take like hot baths. I do that a lot. I go in the sauna almost every single day. These are the kind of stress relievers I have. I, you know, I started meditating, uh, every single day and I, and then I also podcast every single day with self-help authors that I think is a huge bit of medicine for me mentally to just see other people really believing and doing amazing things. I That's really been a big part of just helping me get that dose of encouragement for myself while I encourage the listeners. It's encouraging me to just talk to some of these amazing people, you know, as you, as you do as well, Nicole. Mm-hmm. That's I love that that that's part of your therapy is connecting with other people who have been through really hard times and have come out the other side and demonstrated resilience. Exactly. Yep. That I love that. I you know that's that's gold. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you've experienced some of the same things on on your show. I have, and I often say, you know, my life was pretty good before, but podcasting has just enriched it a hundredfold because I get to meet these fascinating people from all over the world I never would have had the chance to talk to. So to me, it's like just every, the gifts keep on coming. (laughs) So that's wonderful. It's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, as a therapist, I was thinking, 
thing. Um, I wondered if it was difficult to listen every single day to people's stories that are, you know, about hard times, about challenges. Um, you're talking ultimately, I think, if you're saying, you know, legacy, you're talking about facing your own mortality. And I'm wondering about, is there a part of that that feels like you sometimes need to take a break and just walk on the beach and, you know, look for uh, shells or something? (laughs) Well, I do live by the beach, so I enjoy that. I know, that's why I brought it up. (laughs) Uh, I still do that. I uh, definitely make a habit of getting down on the beach. I guess I miss that part of my therapy, which is another big dream and goal I had was to get back to the beach where I, you know, I grew up in California and uh, chose a different side of the coast, but it's beautiful. And a big part of what keeps me really uh, excited about life. But yeah, I, I, I think we all kind of get to that point where, Hey, anything we're doing, if we do a lot of it can sometimes feel, um, you know, a bit more like work than enjoyment, but I really, really enjoy it. And and there are a lot of tragic stories, for sure. I won't uh, downplay that. But there just are so many others that are just coming from a place of uh, hope. Like most of them are, we're talking about the hopeful side of things a lot of the times and all the things that they did to help them through it. And just hearing how they, they've helped other people even save lives by writing the books that they have with the comments that they get. Um, it's just so encouraging. So I, I think I, I try to really focus on all that positivity to, to really also get the stories out there to hopefully help others who might hear them. Mm-hmm. That's the part, right? You know, you're leaving your legacy in a sense every day as you're sharing that and it goes out into the world. And, you know, once it leaves your podcast, you have no idea of the influence, the positive influence that might have. Yep, exactly. And I think a book's the same way, you know, at, you know, even recording videos and, you know, all the social media that can be done and as well. I just have probably a special place in my heart for getting it on paper and, and there's something to it. You know, people really, I guess they, they trust it maybe just a little bit more that person has spent the time to write it down. Mm-hmm. So for our audience, some of whom, you know, have big stories to tell. I know I interviewed the All's authors, and that's their whole thing is talking, reading and writing about stories of uh, being a family member uh, uh, with someone who has dementia or Alzheimer's, what that's like. I mean, that's their whole, their whole mission. What would you say to people who want to tell their story, but they really, you know, they just don't even know where to start? Yeah, absolutely. And I asked this sort of question on my show as well, uh, you know, what's helped authors get through and writing their book. And a lot of times for them, it's been some kind of support, you know, and feeling like they don't have to do it all on their own, because it can be a lot, you know, getting your cover, how do you publish? Uh, how, how should I write this? What's the outline? All these, all these little things can become overwhelming. And yeah, you need you need someone to guide you through that, whether that's a course or a coach. And I think I would just encourage people to to not believe in the some of the myths out there that hey, a book's got to be long or that 
it's got to have everything in the world about a topic. You know, a lot of times we think that, hey, we're writing a book, so we got to write this big thing that's got to cover every single aspect of this topic. And really, that's why they create multiple editions, right? And, and so <laughs> that's why they're series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I would just say that I think believing uh, that that your book can help others and and finding a reason why will probably be the biggest driver. I would say write about something you're either passionate about or something that you've overcome because those will come more quickly to you. And then there's simple really tricks. Like one trick I'll leave you really with is if you can write an outline that really just describes some sort of problem, something that you went through. And and then just walk people through that from step A to step, you know, C, D, or E, whatever it might be. You know, keep it short, five, five, three to five bullet points. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is talk, talk through those steps and actually record yourself. And what you can do is take that transcript, uh, that recording, and get it transcribed into text. And you can send it off to an editor who clean it up, and you can have a great first draft at that point. And that'll wow! I love that idea. Yeah, so that's that's an amazing way. The draft first draft is always the biggest biggest hurdle for people. And if if you can get that done, you'll those steps will probably get you eighty to ninety percent there through your book. Oh, that's a great idea. I remember reading about Brene Brown and how she had such a hard time sitting and writing. So what she would do is invite her friends to a retreat place somewhere in Texas where she lives, and she would have them ask her questions and she'd start talking and they would write down what she said and they would have this interaction back and forth back and forth and she's talking to her best friends so she's you know talking about all the stuff she's known for the shame the vulnerability talking 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 then she took all those notes and that became you know, what she worked off of to write her book she could not just sit down and say okay here's what I want to say yeah. Yeah. So there's some ways way to, to do it that feel easier, maybe more spontaneous, maybe more personal, and then sort of funnel them into a readable uh, book. Exactly. Exactly. That's the trick. That's so cool. So, where can people find you, Aaron? Yeah, there's a couple of places. So, I have the university I mentioned at writeabookuniversity.com. Okay. And there's a free four lesson video course to get you started there if you feel like uh, you're wanting to share that story into 2020. And uh, there's my daily podcast I mentioned, dailyauthors.com. Okay, dailyauthors.com. That's great. I give you a lot of credit for doing a, a, a daily podcast. How long are the episodes? Uh, similar to yours, about uh, 30 minutes long. Um, some of them are 15 minutes, some of them are 40 minutes, so somewhere in between there. Wow, you do have energy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. And I'm sure a lot of editing support and help because, you know, you can't do it alone. It's a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've uh, tried to outsource a lot of that work so I can focus on having the energy, as you mentioned, for the interviews. Yeah, that's great. It has been such a pleasure to hear your story today, Aaron. I love your message. And I think people are really going to be inspired by it and hopefully start writing down stories of their lives to share with others so we can all have access to that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. And just thank you again for all that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.